This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is. Welcome to your latest episode of the Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Uh, I am your host today, Gully, and we're coming off the back of a wonderful, consummate, just easy victory down or up at Merseyside. 1 0 over Everton, thanks to a Connie, Connor Cody header. And um, with me today to review that fixture, I've got Rich, Jaffo and Adam. Gentlemen, how's your Sunday going? Jaffo, I'll start with you, mate. Mate, uh, wonderful. wonderful. Uh, Wolves win always puts a uh, nice shine on the weekend. So, yeah, I can't, 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 uh, can't say I'm uh, any happier, especially beating Lampard as well. After thinking back to that tackle of many, many years ago, <laughs> revenge is... Reg, Revenge is served ice cold, I think, in that case. A decade it, on. Yeah. Was it Adam recipients? Yeah. I mean, we've definitely got the better end of that deal, haven't we? Lampard, all of his Premier League titles, all that in between. Um, <laughs> but we've got the 1-0 at Goodson Park and maybe even a death knell in, in their uh, relegation bid. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I, I would like to say, just point out, it didn't quite start on such a happy note, if I'm being brutally honest, guys. Um, we're going to get on to talking about the lineup, And, um, I mean, show of hands, show of voices. Who was happy with the lineup and who wasn't at the three? If you start with you, Adam. You, well, I don't know if it wasn't so much as unhappy or happy. It was just confused. It's, I'm just a bit confused, to be honest, trying to get the... His line of thought when it comes to, to this. So, I mean, first of all, obviously, I've got to caveat this by saying there's a reason why Bruno is manager of a Premier League team in the top half, and I'm here sat talking about it because you know I would I wouldn't have done that, and then look at the end, look at the end result. So he obviously knows what he's doing, but I don't know. Maybe it's because off the back of the Watford game and just thinking, well. That went quite swimmingly, so why don't we just do that again? Essentially, obviously, it's not as it's not as simple as that. But I guess it wasn't just the personnel change; it was the formation change as well. It, it, I just didn't know what to make of it at the start because it's, it's so drastically different from what what we had on on Thursday night. As I say, both personnel and and formation wise, um, obviously, I'm part of the King Kilman club, so I was happy to see him come back in. But I did think that Bolly was was, was was fine on on Thursday. So I was surprised to see I was just obviously surprised to see Kilman come back in. And then to go back to the two, like I say, I, I just I just was interested in his in his line of thinking, to be honest. It wasn't what I would have done, but then what what what, what do I know? 
Well, okay. Adam, you, you go and get your coaching badges and then you'll be absolutely <laughs> qualified to, to, to make whatever comments uh, you feel necessary. Maybe. I'll be back Rich, in about two, three years then. <laughs> Rich, <laughs> Rich, I mean, we went back to the three midfield. We brought in Marcel at left wing back. I mean, personally speaking, I didn't feel like the two kind of went hand in hand. It felt like um, a bit too conservative from my perspective. I don't know if you, you felt the same. After um, you know Watford side for to be playing a team in you know a relegation scrap to see us go for what's arguably a more defensive formation with more defensive players. The only thing I could put my head on, you know, put my finger on in terms of why was just to give some players an extra bit of a rest and even having Den Donker in there. Although you're not resting Neves and Moutinho, you've got somebody else doing some extra dog work in the midfield. So it's almost protecting your dynamic duo in Neves and Moutinho by having someone who's doing a extra bit of work in there for them. But it did feel a bit odd seeing it, just, just, just because we scored four two days, three days before. And that's a... Yeah. It's a struggle to then kind of go to, you know what, we're going to manage this game instead of we're going to go out and win this game. I think that's kind of how it felt. I mean, I know what the general atmosphere was from Wolves fans because at two minutes past two, I tweeted out the lineup and sort of said, who's happy with it? And within two minutes after that, I got about eight replies sort of saying, happy, nobody will be happy with this. So I'll just change it quickly to just, just reply in GIF format. So I feel like at, at five past two, the general sentiment was this is not going to be an inspired afternoon. Yeah, I mean, Jeffo, were there any particular choices that baffled you at, at that point? Um, Did you feel confident going into the game? Once the I, mean, was I mean, I, I, I wasn't against... So we were talking about the preview the other day, we said... Um, I, I say I, wouldn't, I wasn't against Endonka starting because he always tends to have a really good game against Everton. Um, but if I was going to say I, I would have rather Pedence played from the start than Huang because I think Pedence is in a really good vein of form and to take him out was a bit strange for me. And Ike Nuri, I'd like to see him play, but I don't know how we how he can handle that two games in such a short period of time. Yeah, he doesn't seem to... Either Bruno doesn't seem to either trust him or... Ain't no, his body doesn't yeah. withhold to two ninety minutes in in a week. But I find it frustrating with if it's burnout rotation or how you want to describe it, fitness wise. We have got like five days until our next game. It's not like we're playing Wednesday. We have got a a little bit of a gap, but yeah, hey, we've come away with a victory, so I can't really be too no. <laughs> what what is it, Rich? We're prisoners of the moment, and at that, and that moment in time, we were all fuming. Yeah. I mean, I certainly was. Um, yeah. I laid my cards out on the table f- to be uh, shot at, which uh, definitely happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know if. Um, well, I can't recall exactly how many times we've seen it before, but the Raúl Jiménez and Huang partnership is something that I, I feel like Bruno is really trying to put a bit of um, faith into. We know about that game at Newcastle where where they looked really nicely. We're almost going for a little bit of a, you know, Kane and Son light time trap version. Call it, Gully, call it what it is. It's Quinn and Phillips. 
I'm going to need a little bit of help with that. Oh, oh, Niall Quinn and Kevin Phillips. Sorry, I thought there was some totally niche reference. That, um, you Did you think that was some there. sort of American mid-70s cop show or something? Right, Quinn, you know, Quinn it, it sounds Stars like it, doesn't it? Quinn and Phillips. <laughs> you feel like <laughs> Kevin Phillips is like the kind of jovial one and Niall Quinn's really like, you know, it's moody as hell. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But like, they, they, you can sort of see it in their games, especially as you've noted how many times this season goodie for Jimenez likes to drop deep and pick up Paul uh, pick up the ball and get um you know link up the play whereas Swang isn't great at linking up the play because he's you know he's got a two yard touch but if the space is being created behind him and he's got decent players it, it, it works I think especially if it's just the two of them up top. Huang's touch is as I've said in the group is similar to my first touch in that his first touch is normally his second touch is usually a header because it's the same. It's I, the I was same really point. hoping you wasn't going to go down that that other route, which was the first touch of a something. Yeah, then yeah. Adam. But I'm glad you. I'm glad you. Well, I wouldn't be able to substantiate those claims if I said that. So, no, no. <laughs> and we will steal. We'll steal well clear of tarnishing yeah. your good name um, from that it's respect. Not a good name. <laughs> but, um, it's a good job we don't have her stew hall on <laughs> anyway we need a disclaimer at the start of this episode yeah um, so I mean Huang it, as it turned out didn't really get a chance to to show too much um, although the first 20 minutes felt like they were entirely about him um, and his attempts to kind of shake off that injury Jafo I, I mean yeah, what did you sure. make of that whole scenario? Is is bizarre. It was bizarre. It was it was almost like the, I thought I thought there was shithousery going on. I, I really did. I thought he was just trying to wind the Everton fans up and just trying to create this nasty atmosphere. But yeah, when it, when he did eventually go off, it's like yeah, fair enough. But the, his his methods to to try to stay on the pitch, although admirable, may have been stupid. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a player apologise for trying to kind of continue a game of football to like an entire stadium, which is, I'm sure you did that, didn't you, Pricey? <laughs> yeah, I've been done that many a time, to be honest. But it's quite funny that like, it it, it, it took so long for him to realise that he just he couldn't continue. I mean, even, I think I was, it was the second time he come back on or something that he even went for a sprint and then for a tackle with... It must have been the left, must be Mikolenko, I think, I can't remember. And then it just dawned on him, he was like, oh, shit, I really can't, I can't do it. whatever it is. That's, that's, he looked fine me. for that sprint, didn't he? Like, yeah, that, just... that, was, that was the thing that got me. It's like he wasn't, he didn't try and sprint to then pull up. He went, he went into it. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, it was like, come on, we're on, we're on attempt number three here to continue with the game. How long is this, how long is it going to, going to go on for? And then, yeah, it was quite funny just to see it go off and hand both hands up in the air and say, sorry, sorry, everyone, that I'm injured. Do you think he was just a bit anxious? Because last weekend, Hoover went off injured very early on. It's like, oh, God, I've done my back treatment. Just, yeah. but, everyone needs to know that I'm trying here. I definitely warmed up properly, guys. I warmed up properly. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was going to I was gonna bring it up because um, Bruno mentioned about the fact that injuries in recent games have caused him trouble with regards to the plan he has second half with substitutions and stuff, isn't it? And um, mm. so, I mean, up until that point, the game had kind of been meandering and and essentially that was the most interesting thing that, that had happened for the first 20 minutes. Like, literally the first 20 minutes passed by and I was like, 
have we really played 20 minutes of football here? It, it must the ball must have been in play for about eight. Yeah. Um, but at that point in the game, Rich, what how, what how are you feeling about again? We've mentioned Everton are not in the greatest vein of form, and 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 the way that we'd approached the game up until that point, it was feeling somewhat as a missed opportunity, even at. so well at Watford and numerous times this season at least since the start of the um since the start of the year of coming out the traps really well and that's where we've been successful in a lot of games and say considering Everton's form I didn't quite know why we didn't attempt similar tactics and really just try and catch them off guard straight away and it seemed like it, Potentially, this was the plan all along, and judging by Cody's post-match comments, that the game plan was to, you know, ride a potential storm for the first half and wait until everything got a bit antsy, essentially, and then just kind of say, essentially, just grind through and manage out a draw slash win. And I say it, it was weird, but the. Um, Hwang coming off was almost a little bit of a catalyst for the game slightly turning for, for one reason or another, really. But, say, for only like 15, 20 minutes in or whatever it was, say, it just it felt drab and uninspiring, which isn't really what you want in a football match of, you know, <laughs> at any level, is it? No. I, I mean, Jafar, a, a lot is made of the, the Goodison Park atmosphere. And I mean, you hear different claims. Uh, I mean, the commentary team, um, the get the, um, the the broadcast that I was watching were quite adamant. I mean, I think they had Leon Osman on, so probably he's going to be quite complimentary, isn't he? But they were quite adamant that the Goodison Park faithful are um, really buoyant and, and and helpful towards the team. You didn't quite get that impression. The more frustrating the game was, I think. I, I think they're very topsy turvy, like. I don't know, fair weather, I think maybe the right word to use, because if things are going well at Everton, they're fantastic, they're really behind the team, you know, the fantastic atmosphere, they're cheering them on, but the moment anything starts to go wrong, the anxiety just builds up in the stadium and builds up and builds up, and then everything, they start getting on their backs, they start, that's when the players start making mistakes, and that's almost felt like what felt happened today, is that they were slow in the build-up, Everton, and every time the ball got passed back, you could just hear the crowd just moan and murmur. And I think that's that's kind of where they are. There's no in between with them. They can either they're either either behind the team or they're just against it. And that's yeah. that's where he, he doesn't help the team. It was interesting because before the game, I was in the car on Talksport saying um, what you should do at Goodison Park is you know first thing you should do as an away team is just completely dull the atmosphere because they will start to get antsy. And I sort of was wondering, well, is that the same for all grounds? Was there just certain grounds? Do you know I think I mean? essentially like it is. I, I I mean, we've all been at Molyneux a few times this season where there has been a bit of a murmur in the crowd that we aren't necessarily moving the ball forward quickly enough or there's just not enough intensity in our play. And, and, and you always hear that the they're usually the same, same old suspects um, who who are in unison. But once there's enough of them, essentially there's mm. there's a baying crowd waiting to kind of feast on mm. the nerves of a player. And you could see, 
Adam, I don't know if you, you noticed it, watching Everton in possession was quite torturous, really, if you're an Everton fan, I can, I can assume. I think, um, I think Everton fans crap, to be honest. The amount of times I've put their games on the telly, and I've said this before on uh, podcasts before, and I have to keep checking the remote to see if I've actually muted the telly because they don't say anything. They just they just seem like a horror. They just don't seem like they really get behind the team at all. I can't remember what they were like when they used to be in like the top six or top seven of the league. So I can't recall. But recently, I know things haven't been going well for them. You know, as as, as a club, top to bottom, over the last couple of years. But whenever I watch them, they just they're going there just to vent and they're all just sitting in an apathetic silence. I, I really don't don't see their fan base as supportive at the minute. But like I say, I, I, I know that they're not they're not they're not a well run club, and they've got their issues, and maybe that's what's coming out in in the fans. But yeah, I I don't I, I don't really think they're really much help at the moment. Much as, well as much as they can be, given they how badly run the club is at the moment. Yeah, but again, have you have you watched the game? And watch them, see, you know, seeing them get on the players' backs and the level of quality in the game itself being so bad. I mean, at half time, you'll see what I'm doing here now. But were you quite frustrated about the, the way that the, we'd we'd kind of not really laid a glove on them up until that point because it felt like they were there for the taking, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, their their football hasn't really picked up since Lampard took over um, from Rafa, whose football, we, we all know what, what, he, what, what he, how he sets up a team and how he plays. And I think kind of, we were, we were probably, weren't in, people who had this view weren't in the minority, I suspect, when we'd say that we should be doing better against this, this team. And then obviously we would go back and reference the lineup and the changes and go, well, I'm not sure if, if this was the right call, given the fact that, you know, we've had, what, one one real attempt on target, and that was probably Jimenez's acrobats, his overhead kick at that point. And we're thinking, well, you know, is is this, is the decision gonna gonna come back to bite us in the fact that we're not gonna get what we what we think we can get out of this game. And like you say, Gully, um, we haven't we haven't we haven't made Pickford work. We haven't laid a glove, and, and we really should be, really should be, especially given that we were on Thursday night. So at, yeah, at that point in time, I was thinking well, something needs to change here, and we need to up our tempo. Yeah, well, obviously, Nuno Large, sorry, Bruno Large got them in at half time, and. Um... Whether he whether he sent a rocket or he was quite happy with the way the game had gone, I think his comments after the game would suggest that he was quite content with the idea that we were just going to contain, frustrate the living hell out of the uh, Goodison Park crowd and really just kind of show Everton for what they were, which is a pretty bad team at the moment. And lo and behold, we come out second half all guns blazing, didn't we, Rich? Yeah, it was exactly what we needed and it, it, it's hard to kind of tell isn't it what what the cause was because again a, a little trait with Wolves I've noticed is we 
again, found it frustrating. We didn't do it in the first half, but we did against Arsenal, where we came out really quickly from the um, from the interval as well. I mean, it, it was exactly what we need in terms of Cody scoring. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk through the goal, but the latest kind of reincarnation of of, Pe- of Ruben Neves, Jafoe, is, is clearly a flying right winger at the moment, isn't it? It's incredible. How he, how he beat those two players and just skipped past them and got the ball in. It was, it was incredible. But the one thing that, that Neves has done this season, which is which is really important, is he's playing that little bit further, that 10 yards further. Mm. And he's, he's trying to get in and around the box. You know, he's making runs into the box now. And, and that's where, you know, he's been able to use his powers a bit more because there's no point in him shooting from 40 yards every five minutes. You know... He's a very good footballer. He's got fantastic technique. So utilise him in the right area. And that's why I say he's got more. He's, I don't know how many guys. He might have four goals this season. And a, like a few, two yeah. or three. So he's up there and he's, he's getting numbers that he, he deserves from the position that he's playing in. One thing I found interesting with, I guess, is his involvement in the goal. Was that touch he had to almost set himself up? Because it was similar to his one against Watford in terms of giving him that extra space. And... I remember uh, when uh, the first time we played Everton when we came back up and we drew 2-2 and him never having quite the amount of time and space that we'd seen him have the year before in the Championship. And it seems like that's the big thing this year is he's finding himself in more space in dangerous areas. Like to have that time and the touch to kind of give himself that opportunity before like, you know, turning to David Beckham. It just shows how much he's progressed as a player recently. Yeah, totally. I think he's not necessarily any quicker than he was or anything, no. but I just think he knows he knows how to use his physical attributes in a much better way these days. And that that cross, I I don't see him necessarily putting that cross in to that quality previously. He always he'd pick the ball up in that kind of space where you know, like De Bruyne or Trent kind of operate try and whip a ball in previously and he's not necessarily produced, but I think he's worked on it quite a bit, um, which is a really important part of the game. And I can't, can't, I've lost count of how many times we've had a free kick or a a corner, the ball's come out and then we've created a goal off the back of it. You've got like um, Sace's winner at Brighton was very similar. Mm. Um, Villa, I think the, I think both of the goals, both the first two. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're, we're, we're second, second phase set pieces as they, as they like to call it. So, they really from Tony Roberts again. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say they they really pride themselves on on that. And I watched the Neves um, video for his two hundredth game thing that he did with Dave Edwards and sort of you know they're talking about the Derby goal. Um, and so you know he always wants to make sure he's got a couple of options. And you know they're really keen. It seems to like just make sure that they recycle it and they get there first, and it just stays alive that bit longer. And it seems really. It seems really silly, doesn't it? Because it's such a simple way of getting an extra goal, just staying alert and having, you know, having another pop and make or making sure you've got someone like Neves to just get in a more profitable position because he's got the quality to basically do whatever he wants on a football pitch. So why not get him where he can pick up some really good loose ends? Yeah, I guess the luxury is having someone like Neves to take advantage of those situations. I guess not everybody. Has no. that luxury, do they, within the Premier League? And we are eking every last drop of, of of productivity out of those set pieces, which is great. But, Adam, I mean, finish and a half oh. from 
from Connor Cody, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it just? I mean, what and what a person to get it as well, the Liverpool lad. He's going to have been sent to me. He's going to be have sent some WhatsApps this afternoon, Annie. Yeah, I think they said on comms that his uncle's a a blue, so he'll be um, probably getting quite a few choice uh, WhatsApps off him. But as has been said, you know the the setup was masterful. The initial dummy from Neves and the, and and the cross itself. Such a good header, though. I mean, when you you think he's facing onto the ball. And he's got, he must only have a small target in which that it's feasible to score from. And he's nailed it. Amazing. And you think all these years, Cody would not be seen anywhere near an opposition penalty area. We've always had him just back, staying back and mopping up. And it's only like uh, towards the end of last season, mainly this season, where he's, he's gone up for, for set pieces. And he's getting, he's got a few goals now, you know, not and not just for us, just like for England as well. He scored, he got that, got that one at Wembley. And he's thinking, well, you know, this is something we could have tapped into a long time ago, potentially, of sending him up for set pieces. Yeah, but especially when we can pull something like the bag like that. Well, I, mean, I don't know if this is complimentary to to Cody or quite um, quite a, a damning indictment on, on on us as a club at the moment. He's our fifth joint top scorer with three goals. He and he and Romain say tied with three. We just spread so, him. We just spread him the love. That's it. That's it. Um, points per goal. Uh, points per goal stat still must be up there. Exceptional. The yeah. best of it. We, we, we ruined it with that four 0 at Watford a little bit. Yeah. We probably. Yeah. yeah. Why do we have to go and score four guys? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess from that point on, it was just a, a, a masterclass in controlling a football match, wasn't it, Jafo? I mean, mm-hmm. I. Struggle to recall Everton regaining possession in a good position in the pitch um, no. at all. Yeah, we. I mean, we controlled the tempo. We controlled the game was ours. We, that Everton did not take control of of the match at all. I thought uh, Decore had a really bad game for them. He just normally he's one who dictates the play, but there was nothing. There was they had, they showed no, no intensity from the front. They weren't pressing as they would be. Uh, and the only the only time that I thought that they they looked dangerous is when they were putting the through balls over the top to um, Richarlison, and Richarlison was trying to run in behind, but they could because I, I think maybe because we were holding a high line, but they couldn't time it right and they couldn't create the chances. But that was the only place I could see Everton scoring today. Yeah, I think the hmm. the offside trap was working quite nicely, and Jose Sar was sweeping up um, really well. I think there was one where Richarlison. They, they carried the play on. He was flagged offside eventually, but Saar came out and palmed it away really, really well off his toe as he got into the box, which is a really nice um, interception from him. But I guess that, that frustration of, of not being able to get the ball back off this leads to John Joe Kenny's two yellow cards. Um, Rich, I mean, what do, you make, what do you make of that situation? I was trying to find the right way of describing it because it's about... It was- what three minutes in between each card? Something. Yeah, something. it's pretty pretty quick. Yeah, and it's it's one of those where I, I don't think there's many excuses in terms of like are they both bookings? Yeah. Um, from an Everton perspective, considering the they're in that position, I don't think he's a world beat or whatever. But it's just indicative of the team they are at the moment. It's just that bit of frustration, that bit of hot-headedness that 
bit of ill discipline that separates a good team and a bad team. Yeah, it's up yeah. there with the stupidity of Martinelli in the Arsenal game. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it, yes, is no no right to try and win that ball that second time. And Lampard is going to be furious with him. He's, yeah. he's going to chew him out in the dressing room because he should not be doing that on a yellow card because they're still in the game at 1-0. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and they kind of just waved the white flag then. That was it. Yeah, because right, I don't. I think if he'd have stayed on for his last 12 minutes, whatever it was, I still think we'd have won the game and seen it out just uh, you know comfortably. But you want to give your team all the options you can do. And... Yeah, I'd be furious if I was an Everton fan. Problem is, they've got a lot to be annoyed about. So yeah, it's like, yeah. where does where does that sit in terms of what you'd criticise Everton for today? Because but, you know the passing was crap, the defending weren't great, the the the, the, the chances were bang average. I think there's a back gets a send yeah, off to Hawkins. but there's a and they spoke about this on on the commentary again. I was listening to, and there's kind of a glorification of these big tackles and trying to get the crowd mm. going off the back of it and things. And I mean, I think Leon Osman mentioned Phil Neville going in on Cristiano Ronaldo saved his Everton career or something like that. Mm. And it's very much a British thing. I think the, uh, this, mm. this kind of, you know, heroism and, 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 you know, really trying to get stuck in. And I feel like it's not, it's kind of at odds with the game that we're watching these days. Uh, isn't it a bit, Adam, we, we're not, we're not really encouraged to, go out and, and make these kind of challenges because you're going to get pulled up on them. Yeah, it's exactly kind of what, what Rich said. It's it's just, he's, he's lost his head there for a second. He's, there's no need to make the tackle. I think, um, as you said on, on COCOMS, Leon Osmond said, he could just he could let him win that, let Raul win it there. There's, there's no danger. There's no immediate danger to Everton. He hasn't like stopped a promising counter-attack of ours where it's likely that we're going to get a shot off. It's just it's in the middle of the pitch, isn't it? Just in the middle of the park. There's no real danger on. So it was silly. I, I don't think it would have materially affected the outcome of the game, but as I said, it just makes it ever so harder for for Everton to make something make something out of the game. And I think the fans, are again, are expecting that they've gone in at half-time nil-nil. I think, yeah, with the home team, we should be pushing on now and and making Wolves work, and he went. He went completely the opposite way. It went. We, we grew in strength in the game. Second half, obviously got the goal, and then after that, it, yeah, we just managed it. Managed it quite well, and you can tell the Everton fans are getting frustrated. I mean, I was looking at the table now. That it was a bad weekend, bad, bad day for them today, should I say? What with Leeds and Watford winning. So they're only out of the drop zone on goal difference, albeit they've got, you know, three games extra. But in their current run of form, they're gonna be they're gonna be right in the mire at the minute, because I can't seem to buy a result at the minute. Um they've, you could honestly they, they've got the worst run of fixtures of any of the teams down there mm. as well. I think you couldn't you couldn't have drawn a worse run of fixtures out than they've got from what I, what I've seen. That just so, shows how badly they how badly they've been mismanaged, they're down there. It is Hilarious though that they are yeah. down there. I've got to, I've got mean, to say that you got to look at who they bought. Who Benitez bought? I mean, I, th- I, th- I think he spent a really good amount of money on Michaelenko, and I mean, really, he's nothing. He, he's he's done nothing since he's been in the league. He's you know, a downgrade on Luca Dean, like bottom. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. 
I think it's my yeah, a, 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 cha- a, a lad I work with um, he's an Everton fan and he's made the point is that there's such a bit of a mismatch I mean there's the, their squad is full of players from like the last five managers or something it's something mm. ridiculous like that they've they've not had a, a certain philo- steady philosophy they've just picked different managers as, as they've gone along so they've gone from a Koeman to an Ancelotti to a Benitez to a Lampard it's and mm-hmm. the money they've spent to get worse is ridiculous isn't it when you think mm. it's almost imp- millions. it's almost <laughs> impressive to yeah. spend that much and come out worse yeah. it's like it's like the producers um it, it it's almost impressive to do that well like, you, you see sometimes like we 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 in the past have said like oh we, we're crying out for players we need players and then you've got everton you like, had that summer where they went out and bought three number tens didn't they? yeah <laughs> three players exactly the, exactly the same type but then they're scratching and, and thinking how do we play these now <laughs> and they still had a different one start that came onto the pitch today in delhi alley um yeah. so you know well, i mean like, just look at just look at their back, just look at that back three of kenny uh, holgate and godfrey <laughs> That's the most uninspiring back three I've seen Everton Honestly. play in a long time. No, yeah. you're Mina. <laughs> Michael, yeah. I know Michael Keane's out of form, but no, Michael Keane. Them three, they look crap. And, yeah, and when you back. include Coleman and Moylenko yeah. um, as well, you just go, yeah, you can see that that's why should, they're in the yeah. position. Baby. I mean, talking, talking about that defence and talking about how bad Everton were, I did just want to point out the fact that we only managed to score one goal um, yeah. today. And I, I think... I think it's worth worth picking up on the way that we're attacking teams and um, welcome into my world, guys. A little bit of GTA for the podcast, but um, if you do flash that up, please, Rich. Is it this, yeah. yeah, the yeah, we'll take on first. Yeah, we're obviously kind of operating in a in a poster Dharma Traore world at the moment, and the, the sight of us our wingers flying past people isn't quite as prevalent as it used to be, and you can see here. The greens indicate the the, the completed take ons and the the orange unsuccessful ones. And as we approach the box, you can see that we're struggling to to get past defenders. Obviously, it's it, it's going to be a little bit tighter in there and a bit more bodies to beat. But if you just move it on to the next um, graphic as well, so this is attacking third passes uh, for Wolves in, in against the, in, against Everton. You can see a lot going on into onto the flanks a heavy amount of passes out towards Johnny and back into the center but when you look at around the penalty area it's a little bit of a, a dearth of activity really just because I think we're, we're lacking a little bit in terms of maybe beating a player and getting a, a cut back in or just around the penalty area playing a bit safe um I mean Adam I don't know if you, you feel like we're we're lacking a little bit at the moment still in the final third, despite, you know, the good display, the control we displayed in midfield? Uh, well, I think today when... I'll, I'll pick out one player in particular, the player that actually, I actually love actually, much like you, Gully, at Pedence. So, um, we know what he gives us. We know how skillful he is, how tricky he can be. I think today... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think too much came off for him today from in an attacking sense. He he tried to take, and I, I know he attempted quite a lot of dribbles, and I'm not sure how many of those stats he brought up there were, were probably referenced to him, but I think he had quite a lot of incomplete take-ons or dribbles, and that is that he was getting a bit petulant in places today, and we know that can happen with him, but I felt it was kind of amplified today. But I'm sure that 
it's a one-off for him, really. I, I, I just I felt the, my, my, my abiding memory coming away from that game, thinking was, oh, I don't think Pedence shone too much today compared to what he can do normally, what I, what I know he can do. Um, and I know Huang wasn't on the pitch that much either, but um, I don't see, in, in general sense, you know, I don't see him take, doing well one-on-ones and take, taking on players. But I think a lot of joy today actually come from from Johnny. And I've got to give him a shout-out as well, because you know, to, for him to get 90 minutes today, he just looks... It looks like he's just dropped back into the Johnny role, doesn't he? He's just just sens- just sensational, and um, sometimes it's almost like because we've had Samedo and, and Nate Nori, and because Johnny's been out for so long, you kind of think, oh, it'll be interesting to see what, what what happens when he comes back. But he's just come back in, and the door's been opened because of Samedo's injury. And you're like, bloody hell, like this guy's come back in and he's like, he's a minimum seven out of ten, isn't he? Like the Spanish Dennis Irwin. He's just yeah. there. I just, the guy, he's just incredible. I mean, I'm in awe of him for, for like, for his second bad injury to come back in and for like the last three games and the first start today. And some of those, those take ons, I'm sure some of them are down to him because he was really quite good going forward today. I'm so impressed with him. You're talking about them take ons. Um, I mean, the first graphic really showed probably one of the reasons we struggled because if you look how deep it is on the left hand side that's i think i don't think we would have seen that without nuri playing but i just think marcel although he's good at take-ons and he's been quite successful in the game he doesn't seem to get into that attacking position that i i nuri because so, so we, we ain't getting those box balls into the box off that left wing uh johnny did well he got a, he got there but like he was struggling to get the balls across and the, there wasn't many crosses today in towards I know we don't, we're not generally good at them, but they weren't getting into the box to roll and stuff like that. Uh, and like you said, Gully, it was being passed back and he was going into that like, half space for like Neves or Moutinho. You had to pick the ball up and recycle. So I think that's the one thing that like when we've got Marcel playing, it kind of like hinders the press. Uh, and, and normally when, if you talk Nuri and Samido or even Johnny now, he's, he's there almost like they used to be into the Nuno days. They're almost wingers other than wing-backs, and that's what yeah. we're, we're kind of losing, and that's what we kind of need is in, in games like this, to kind of kill games off, is to put that pressure on and that aggression, just to try, and especially with players like Coleman, who's, who, you know, he's, he's experienced, but he's, his best days are well behind him now. Yeah, I, th- I think Bruno's talked about Marcel and Knight Nuri as, as kind of horses for courses, really, as well. He, he's described Marcel as being someone who he'd pick to have a little bit more control maybe um and i thought today while he wasn't necessarily creative maintained possession really really well um with the rest of the midfield and likewise johnny probably given a little bit more drive down that flank i actually think given that the vast majority of his minutes have been as a left wing back for us i'm, I'm surprised at how well he's done as a right wing back because i didn't it didn't strike me as the kind of bloke who's gonna burst down the flank and beat people, you know, and, and he's, he's even coming inside and, and dribbling past players. And, and yeah, I thought he's, he's just absolutely started in with ease. But Rich, any any other individual performances you wanted to highlight? Um, I was going to say, if we truly highlighted Neves, I know we highlighted him for the goal, but just fuck me overall, he was brilliant. <laughs> like, uh, I, I've sort of ran out of words now. I know we're all hoping, and look, I've been checking Twitter every five minutes while we've been recording to see if his <laughs> contract's been announced on his birthday. 
And I know what the club will do. They're gonna it'll be a new site, it'll be a new contract tomorrow, maybe, maybe Tuesday, saying sorry for the late birthday present. And we're like, oh damn you wolves. Um, but yeah, I thought he was fantastic again. Um I also thought Donk had a decent game. I thought that again, we all know he plays better in a free, but he did what was needed. He 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 played the Donk role. Um so yeah, I think special shout out to him. And also Cody overall as well, because I think even if you take away the goal, he had a solid game. Along with most along to be honest, no one had an awful game, did they? Uh, no, I did the um I did the player ratings. Um to be fair, and it was a bit tricky to be honest because some of them I gave like I gave Marcel a seven just because I thought that he didn't do as much as let's say Jimenez or but actually everyone had decent games in in my opinion overall. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm I'm questioning what what it's going to take to get Nevers up to a nine and a half in your yeah. eyes because he was he was genuinely incredible today. Just and when you think about where he's come from and, and, and the level that he's operating at right now. He basically ran, you know, three relatively decent quality Premier League midfielders out of town today, uh, almost on his own. I mean, Moutinho was a, was a lovely supporting nut, and uh, as was Dendonka, but that Neves was truly, truly dictating that game. Like, you just you just saw it. You saw, you saw all the passes he was making. You saw the movements that... He was making, you know, he even started dribbling around and beating people. And I just, I, I just, every time I watch him now, if, if you're not going to get close to him, you're in for, you're in for a, a hiding really from in the middle of the park. And Watford learned it the other night and, and, and Everton learned it today. I mean, like, yeah. he, he truly is like the, the poster boy for like Fosin era Wolves, isn't he? He's, 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 he's been there from the start since Nuno come in. Um, and he, I'd, I know, I know. We, the, the common view is, you know, that Moutinho, we've said over the years, has been the finest player to ever wear the shirt. But Neves, <laughs> I, I think we have to we have to start changing that statement. You know, if if, if this carries on, because at the minute he's, as Bruno has said before, he he should be operating at the top of the top, and his form this season, he's like he's. He's literally he's just owning that midfield and he's just bossing games left, right, and centre at the moment. It's, and like and as you said, good, he's adding different facets to his game as well now that just takes him another level above. And I just I, I pray that it, obviously he's going to leave at some point, and we're going to go into like a week of mourning when he does. But I just think that we need to do everything that we can to try and you know keep up with with his ambitions. He wants to obviously he wants to play. In Europe, and I think if we were to get if we were to get into Europe this season, then you know that all he he would take, he would lead to stay with us. I just hope you know, if, we, if we fail in getting into Europe, I just think that you know, someone's going to swoop round and you know see see if you can see if they can turn his head potentially. But you run out of things to say about him, really. It's he, he, just ridiculous of of how commanding and and just run oh, games to his tempo that he is at the moment. Problem is, you say you run out of things to say about him, and then he goes and chips a goalkeeper who's two yards off his line, and then as he starts whipping him, and it's like, <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh, next week against league, he's going to master doing bicycle kicks, and it's like, oh, <laughs> me, just 
he's consistently good at improving his game this season. Mm. That's the only way I can put it. Yeah, it's the consistency and the speed of thought that's really come into it. Like, like I, he's very good at like the what he does, and, and but I think the one thing that I could maybe criticise him in the past is maybe he's a little bit too slow on the ball, maybe. Mm. And I think that's one thing that's changed. Is, is, is they transition the ball. Him and Moutinho and Dunk, they're transitioning the ball a lot quicker and trying to stretch the play. Like we saw uh, when we first came into the Premier League under Nuno, which was trying to move that ball wide, moving it quick, tr- recycling it as fast as possible. And I think that's one thing, as we got through the Nuno years, it kind of dried up a little bit. And then we're starting to see it under Lager now. Is that that speed and the tempo to our game. Because when we, when we put two or three passes together, that's when we look dangerous and that's when we look like we're going to create chances. Yeah. I mean, one thing's for sure, the social media team have got another week's worth of content from uh, another Neves masterclass to squeeze out before our next fixture. So, um, I mean, I would do a man of the match um, poll, guys, but I'm making an executive call and just giving it to Ruben anyway. So I'm sure we'll we'll settle on that one. Um, you've, saved, we will... you've saved just a good two minutes there, Goody. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> <happy with> that. <laughs> um, we will leave the Everton game there and uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss a little bit about our contract expiring stars and what we do about them next season and uh, answer your Twitter corner questions. Hi all, Gully from Wolves Fancast here. And just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans, I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here. Some outside-of-the-box thinking there. But our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media, are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding and marketing needs with our very own WolvesFanCast.com, a fine example of their work. So much so that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money is gone. We may have just had our answer. Welcome back, guys. And uh, we just wanted to do a little bit of uh, debating around the the players that are, are running out of their contracts at the end of this season. We've got the likes of Marcel, Romain Saiz and Joao Moutinho, um, as well as John Ruddy, I assume, as well. I, I mean, nobody mentions John Ruddy in this conversation, do they? I think he's just going to disappear into, into, into thin air or something. Um, or... Uh, yeah, actually, I, I sit quite close to the bench, um, and I remember at the uh, Watford game in the week, he came out from half time with like a, a cup of hot something. I'm not sure what it was, <laughs> whether it was a coffee or a cup of tea. He came out, he, he signed a few autographs, had a few selfies with the fans right at the front. I just thought, you know what, he's got a nice life, to be fair. I mean, just wa- yeah. Watching these players at close quarters with a hot drink and just chilling out like that. Oh. It's He's understood the assignment, it? hasn't he? There, the lawyer, hundred percent. But um, well, he's he's basically done for the season now, isn't he? Without it's not been in the FA Cup and stuff. So, yeah, maybe maybe that's a, a farewell. Well, I mean, we'll start then. What would you do about John Ruddy, guys? Uh, I mean, we, we all talk about the whole dressing room um, party he has to play. Uh, Jafo, do you think he, he has a future at the club at all? I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if they, they don't offer him a deal because he's integral to that back room uh, and he seems to be one of the like nicer characters and everyone seems to get along with him in the back room. But, it's, I mean, he's getting to a stage now. I want to see one of these young goalkeepers get, get given a chance and get pulled through in, in the cup games. You know, we've, we've got the 
you know the long, young um, Norwegian or Danish lad we've got. Um, Danish, yes, yeah, Danish. Sondergaard. It's people like that. You want to see him get a chance to to actually play games because Ruddy's, you know, he's he's what 30, 36, 37 now. <sighs> He's only going to get worse from now on, and it's just maybe, maybe it's time to move on and, and say give the youth a chance. Rich, do do you, do you offer an olive branch out to John, Big John? I I can see some of the value in keeping him, but unfortunately, not a lot of it's for on the pitch reasons, and I think that's the mm. that's the difficulty with him is for. Look, Connor Cody went to the Euros and uh, basically is a cheerleader, so there's clearly some... Yeah, and sort of, well, actually, but I think that's really good, and there is a thing in a few football clubs. Um, oh, I can't remember. They're, I think Man United have done it, and also Southampton. Southampton have done it, yeah, yeah. You know, the under-23s. Yeah, yeah. Basically, for the under-23s, they've signed like a 31-year-old or however old to basically instill you know, professionalism in a development squad so I understand what needs to happen. So I can imagine having someone like John Ruddy about as a, a quite literal safe pair of hands is really good. However, if it's getting to a point where it's detrimenting <clears throat> the likes um, of Sodengrad and um, Lewis Moulton... Who? Look, I said, I said, Solden, bloody hell, went all bloody hell. Oh my god, have we been infiltrated by a um, by a Russian cyber hacker? Far too much news recently in history docs, but actually, you know what? If, if he's stopping them developing, and you know, we we get minimum two games a year where you can roll the dice on another keeper in the league and FA Cup. Ideally, if you're Wolves, you want to, I don't know, get six cup games a season in. And it, it's either a case of these goalies aren't quite up to it, of which point it's like, well, is John Ruddy of the quality for it then? Um, I'd almost be inclined to keep him for another one more year just, just because he also hits the homegrown quota as well. Yeah, I think um, the club has struggled with getting some of the lads out on loan to, to get experience. I mean, Sondergaard is out. At, he was out at uh, another Danish club earlier in the season where he didn't play too much um, and then came back and now he's at Hereford. So, obviously getting some serious experience there, but it's um, a bit of a difficult situation for any any club. And yeah, signing goalkeepers, man, there's lack of trust there for the young ones in particular. But moving on to our... Sorry, sorry, Adam. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think there's like there's um, there's a couple, a couple of a couple of things really. It depends on whether John Ruddy, his age, wants to actually go and play games in his last few years as a, as a professional. Versus, you know, does he want to does he want to drop? Is, does, has he got the appetite to, to say drop down to a championship team and then play forty six games, or nearly fifty games with a cup run? Um. You got from the club's point of view, is just is it easier and cheaper for us to chuck him another one-year deal than go out and try and find another keeper who would probably be younger? Um, but then you also have these keepers, as I mentioned on the previous podcast, that just like to sit on the bench. You know, these these keepers who at some point just accept my career from this point on is to be a sub keeper, and I'll take my yeah. handful of cup games. I mean, I'm thinking like. 
it doesn't above John really probably won't get this bad, but I'm thinking like your Scott Carsons and mm. Richard yeah, White of the world. Richard, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was just, I was just imagining a, a future where we're in a you know, we've breezed through a first leg of a knockout tie in the Champions League one day and John Woody's still hanging around just for that one appearance because we're six <laughs> nil up from the first leg. And uh, he could just have a have a nice little time in the Champions League for us one day, who knows? I think Stuart Taylor was the one. I think, I think if you look at his record, he's got mm. he's like been professional for like fifteen years, and he's played I don't know about fifty games or something stupid like that because he's yeah. just sat on the bench or been third choice wherever he's gone. Yeah, amazing. Uh, I mean, I don't know how they do it to be honest. Well, I'm sure their bank account is different, but anyway, we'll move on to uh, some of our more prominent players and um, one who started the game today, Marcel. Um, Jafar, I'm going to come to you because I know. You've, you've shared a few opinions around uh, Marcel recently, and what? Where does he stand with you at the moment? I mean, I think he's a victim of of the where Bruno wants to take the team, uh, and I think maybe the only place I can see him fitting into the, the squad at the moment, in long term, would be at centre back. And the one game that he's played there this season, he wasn't very good. Um, so I think we had, we had a chat about me and Richard talking about it before we started. I think now's the time to pull the trigger on Ryan Giles and have him as the understudy to Aitnuri. I just think um, this Marcel's going to be on a decent wage because he's got the like we said about the experience playing for Leon and playing in the Champions League. He's probably going to be over at thirty forty k. Put Giles in; he's got probably going to be on half of that, and it's you know somebody who's going to play for the next fifteen years. Whereas Marcel's probably only got two or three years left in him. It seems it seems silly to to waste time on on him instead of you know let Aitnuri grow and then let Giles be the understudy, play cup games. It it it, it doesn't seem like a plan for me. And then there are there's been reports in the press about probably even going back to Brazil in the summer. Yeah, I think he was linked to Botafogo, wasn't he? Which feels like a it feels like a nice way for him to kind of wind down a little bit. Um, he's been in Europe for the majority of his career now and got some really good experience. But I mean, talking of that left centre back slot, which he might be able to fill if we did want to extend. I mean, there's there was a player on the bench today, Adam Toti Gomez, who would argue argue the case that maybe he should be given that space to to, to contend for a first team spot as well. Yeah, absolutely. Granted that you know he's only he's only got two games with us to his name, and but he had, it, it was absolutely fine in those two games that he played with us. I think with Marcel, I think he will just come to an end in in the summer. I think he's already exceeded my expectations this season. The fact that he put more than three consecutive games together, I think I said. <laughs> we talked starts. about. Uh, we, I think we called it at, uh, at the moment that he, he was yeah. named in the starting lineup, didn't we? At the start of the season, I, I, that was one of my things that he won't play more than three consecutive games. I'm still waiting for a squirrel to go on the pitch as well. That was one of, one of my other predictions <laughs> at the start of the season. I haven't seen that yet. Time's, time's running out on that one. But um, Marcel's fine. He's all right. He's he's just there, isn't he? He's he's he's. He's a body in a shirt, essentially. He doesn't do anything groundbreaking as such, apart from normally being injured or get booked. But he's, I said, the question there on Twitter was about him defensively. And he's, he's average. He's just, an, he's just an average player, to be honest. He doesn't do anything remarkable. He, he doesn't, he's, not, he's not as attacking as Aitnori. 
but then he, obviously he's got he's got far more breadth of experience than the night Norrie has. But you think for the future of the club, you'd like you'd think that you know we're probably just sitting down in the season. You go look, you know we've got other options going forward. We've got Johnny. You can play both um, slots on the left and right. We've got like I say, we've got John um, Ryan Giles, who you know potentially the club might invest some time in. Obviously, we're not sure what's going to happen with Hoover yet, and then we've got Samedo, so we have options. So, do we really want to keep? How old is he? Thirty-one? Is he 30, thirty-three? Yeah, he's older. Than, he's older than you think. He's age. He's aged two years in five he's seconds. Been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, You'd be very complimentary to him there, lad. <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, he, just, he, has, he is quite. He looks quite youthful, to be honest. Yeah. But um, he, he, yeah, he's. He, I don't think. It's going to be one that we look to, you know, set aside any more money to, to spend on come the summer. So I think as much as him and his family seem to have enjoyed being here the last two years, I think that probably they will look to look will look to part ways with him in the summer. But, you know, he, he, has, he hasn't done anything massively wrong since he's been here. He's just not really been anything remarkable, to be honest. Yeah, I think you, you, that succession plan feels like it's in place, doesn't it, with Lysa Toti and, and, and Ryan Giles. Mm. But I'm sure we can all agree our abiding memory of Marcel when he wasn't on the treatment table was his approach to marking Ivan Tony on that corner uh, at home to Brentford. Um, <laughs> so that we signed the death knell on um, on Marcel's Wolves career. Um, we'll move on to Romain Saïs. And, and Rich, he's been a really key player for us this season. I mean, pretty much played as many minutes as anyone aside from being away from the African Cup of Nations mm. and even now at this point Kilman was the one to be dropped uh, for Bolly rather than Sace and he, uh, clearly Bruno is, is a big fan and, and sees him as really important to the team Yeah and I think Nuno did as well and I've always been a big fan of him and but was a bit sceptical at his ability at Premier League level some of the time and he's quietly converted himself into a centre-back 100% I know even when we're playing in the championship and he played in midfield, he was playing in that position at Morocco. Um, but credit where credit due, he has continued to push and push for a place in this side over and over again. Um, and again, I think what sort of springs to mind with a few of these players, you know, we're going to mention Matinho in a second as well, that between John Ruddy, Sace and Matinho... Those are big players in a changing room. Mm. You'd lose like, a lot of leadership. But that, that's mm. what I'm saying. Like, and uh, at this at the end of last season, I kind of mooted him potentially being moved on just if systems change and we went to a back four and things like that. Um, but my caveat was he is a really influential guy in that team, and you can see, you know. He's a bit of the emotive leader on the pitch in terms of his shithousery sometimes. And he's, you know, we all remember his performances in the championship where, you know, he was an absolute warrior of a man. Um, but in terms of him going in the summer, it's sort of his last chance for probably a big payday if he does go. And I think that might be appealing to him, if I'm being honest. The, the one thing that I'd say about Sace is. is... I don't know who'd buy him, who'd be better than us, who, who'd take the chance on him, who, who would be in a better position than us. I, uh, I, I think if you talk about going back to France, there is a, there are a few options there for him which 
So, I mean, at the moment, you look at outside of PSG, Nice and Marseille are in the, the Champions League slots. The club like Nice, I would suggest, could do with, you know, they haven't been in the Champions League for a very long time, if at all, from what I know. You know, good good bit of experience, been playing at the Premier League level for, for a number of years and done well now. That feels like a nice move for him as well, you know, competing in, in European competition at the, the highest level and potentially being able to make a nice name for himself there. For sure, and if he did go, I will be sad because I'll always have the Middlesbrough memory where he fuck, where he was lying flat flat on his back, <laughs> absolutely yeah. content. That was a fantastic away there, unbelievable. He's, bloke. he's another one, isn't he? With um, he's a character on and off the pitch, well, especially off the, as as we've as we've seen as the social media allows us to see. And again, he's another one that said that he's loved it here. He says if, it's, if the weather was better, it'd be perfect a place to come and live and, and play football. Um, and every time you seem to doubt him, he comes back and puts a string of performances together. So it's, I think it will be really interesting to see where they go with Sace. I'm not actually sure of his age, to be honest, of, of how old he is. If, if, he's 31. Don't go, don't go aging him uh, at all. I was going to say, he, tur- he, is, he turns 32 <laughs> in about a week's time or something. Well, you see that then... Do you give him another year? There's no long contract in the offering for him there because Ferguson obviously have resale value, you know, the back of their minds, forefront of their minds probably. So would he accept a one year? I, I, I don't know. And so that's There's a crossroads with that one really because... For sentimental value, you wouldn't want to lose him because of what he's given to the club since he's been here. And don't forget, he had that really tricky first year, didn't he? When Lambert thought he was shit, basically, <laughs> and, wanted, and wanted to and wanted to sack him off. Yeah. Um, Two hundred appearances later. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's come back from that, <laughs> and under like some proper managers, you know, he's he's excelled uh, in in both in midfield and and defence. So, yeah, as you know, as Defoe said, I would. It'd be a sad day when when, when he goes, um, but I suppose at some point in time you have to start looking forwards, don't you? You have to yeah, start yeah. thinking, okay, so this guy's thirty-two. The, I mean, the other thing I would throw into the mix is we're assuming we're, we're operating with a back three at this point next season. I I can still see a transition to a back four, and if you are keeping hold of players that aren't going to play, if there's one less space for a centre half to come and play in. We, we could be overloaded in that position, um, so it, it's it's not going to be a, a good sales pitch to say to say, look, we want to keep you, but there's going to be one less slot to pay for because um, we're going to be Weird. transitioning to a back. I mean, weirdly enough, he could be fifth choice in that situation because you yeah. got yeah. Tony Gomez and Bolly would be ahead of him mm. as he playing mm. in a two. So it's it's not a good situation for him. I think you're probably right. I think a return to France would probably be a good idea for him. There we go. Hope, hopefully Jeff's watching and we've got it all sorted out for him. Um, <laughs> final one, and this this one's probably going to pull on the heartstrings the most, I imagine, but Joao Martinho, who, again, today, really, really impressive performance, just total professional, got the job done um, in the only way that he knows how to. I mean, he's still scurrying around the pitch like a little, you know, 21-year-old, isn't he? Uh, people talking about his legs gone and last season him going a bit off the boil I just think everybody else everybody was shit last season yeah. everyone dropped off there's a gas yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a gas leak years they'd say in community so 
again, totally lost on me, Rich. I'm, I'm, I really apologise. Um, but I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you wax. Lyri- I'll let you wax lyrical you're about Jamie you, Pino. You, you've watched, you'll have watched Community, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, got, I, got, I, got, I got your reference, Tara. Cheers, phew. That, that makes me feel better. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take a we'll have five after this because it'll be fine it'll be fine All right, but okay, with, me with Moutinho I, I almost want him to have that swan song back in Portugal in a way I don't want him to go but I still want him to have that end point to his career but I don't want to lose him because he's still doing the business it's just whether he's got another year in the tank because the last thing you'd want for any great player which he is like not just as a a great Wolves player but he is a great European player for the last 10-20 years you don't I don't want to see his career fizzle out I want to enjoy his football um so ideally I'd like him to have another year with us and then go and that that'll make me feel be, be okay I think there's a couple of things with this for me. So I said, I said before that qualifying for Europe would mean that he stays with us for another year, I, I think, anyway. Because if we don't, then he will potentially look to take that move back to Portugal. But he's, Bruno said before that he, he trains like he's in his 20s. You know, he's, he's full full throttle in training. Bruno, in that interview, I think, was it with, was it with the, the John Percy article, he says he has to tell him sometimes after 25 minutes to just calm down because he's, you know, you're 36 at the end of the day. So he still plays and feels like he is in his early 20s. So it kind of makes me think that he doesn't want to give up on being in the best league in the world just, just yet. Because as daft as it sounds, I think if he goes to, to Porto, for example, you know, just to... To, for his last couple of years, potentially, and he could be back in European football. Adapt as it sounds, I don't think he'd actually start for Porto, whereas he's starting for Wolves now in the more competitive league. So, like at the minute, like Porto, I'm just looking now, like they've got Vitinha and Uribe in the middle. And I just think, I know they're in the Champions League and what have you, but I don't think Porto would buy or sign a 36, 37 year old to start every game. I know, I know he starts every game for us, but we didn't buy him as a 36, 37 year old. We bought him a bit. We bought him before then, and he's like play. He's played at a level for us where we don't we don't drop him. Essentially, I just think that for us, he's still integral to the team. Not he's not the future of the team, clearly, but I just think that if, when it comes to staying or going, if we do get into Europe, then I think he will he will stick around to see a European campaign with us. If if, if we don't, if we finish eighth and we don't qualify, I think he'll then look to assess his options and say, well. Yeah, for my last couple of years, I do wish to take in taking the European campaign again, and that will force him to look elsewhere. And obviously, with a heavy heart, that's another one where we'll probably have a week and morning when he goes as well. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think. I mean, that Vitinha looks all right. I maybe we should have a look at him. But I, I don't. I just don't think we're in a position to lose him. Like when you think about the the numbers that we have in midfield right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm not it's, what, it's what he said before as well that he's he the guy that's the, this guy's got the mentality that you want in the dressing room. Someone who takes it as a, a personal. It's, like, it's offensive to him to lose a game of football. <laughs> yeah, he takes he takes actual offence to it. So we're gonna get a, 
we're going to get a Jao Moutinho last dance um, series, aren't oh. we, one day? Uh, imagine him sitting there giving it the whole Michael Jordan thing where I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> you see him like, next game, just pop like a passing masterclass. Yeah, yeah. Just going <laughs> through, going it's, it's through another midfield. It's a guard that you want to round just for, for mentality. He, he won't want to be reduced to the, the cheerleader role, though. That's, that's the thing that comes no. into it. He's not, he's not going to sit there and say, well, I'm not going to sit here and just t- teach the kids, help me teach the kids or younger younger players or someone who took my spot in the team, help them get better. I want to play. I mean, I mean, you put the other hat on. If I was Bruno, I'd be wanting to keep him for a long time and think three or four years down the line and thinking, Moutinho is going to be a fantastic coach. Just get him involved in the back room. Get him involved with the, with the kids and just get him, you know, put that mentality that you say he's got instill it into these players. Because that guy, like you say, he hates to lose. Mm. And if you can put that one ounce of that attitude into the young players that we've got and then they can turn the mentality around, that's like half the battle straight away for the rest of their career. Yeah, and, and and they'll be forcing their way into the team and, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, that's, that's what Wolves are thinking. Yeah. So, Jeff, if you are listening, that's a one-year contract extension, please. If you don't yeah. know. Um, <laughs> so, did, did we end that on Ruddy? Ruddy, yes. Marcel, no. Sace, Sace. Leave, leave it. Leave it up to him. Leave it. Up leave to it him. up to him. I wouldn't want to yeah. tell him anything. I, I wouldn't want to give him an answer anyway. And Matino, please stay another year. I think so. I think so. Um, yeah. It sounds reasonable. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Shall we wrap up with some Twitter corner questions, please, yeah. Rich? Go on. Just starting off with the with Nag, regular contributor. Um, what's more annoying, the ref not giving a blatant penalty, context first half, about 25 minutes in, nil-nil, auditioning out a dodgy red card, second half, 3-0, less than 10 to play. I think this is in reference to the Wolves women. They, they had a good result today, didn't they? I think. Yeah, they yeah. won 3-0. Yeah, they won 3-0. I mean, I, I always think, I mean, regardless... I guess the referee's kind of mantra is to try and keep as many players on the pitch as possible, isn't it? And if your team's losing 3-0 or winning 3-0, what's the point in sending a player off late in the game? I, I, I just don't see what it achieves. Unless they've been absolutely, you know, like they've gone to, you know, decapitate someone. Like, what what does it achieve? Like that clip earlier, was it in the Thai league where someone's ran up and punched someone square in the face? That's that, even if it's three nil, you probably get a red card for that. I, th- I thought San- San- Robert Roberto Sanchez on Diaz uh, for I Liverpool. Don't. Yeah, that was. Was it literally just because right. they scored? But and uh, for my part, they it? Kept it, kept it, and they still decided that it wasn't a red. Like wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there was two in the Newcastle game today where the Havertz should have been sent off for an elbow, and then he went on to score. And then Newcastle had a stonewall penalty not given. It was mm. absolute shocking refereeing standards again. And it's all they have the chance to go to VAR and they don't do it. And a VAR tell them not to look. And it's like, what? okay, the ref hasn't seen it initially, but why don't you go and tell them to look? Yeah, I mean, going back to the point, nil nil. Really key part of a game if you've got a penalty is going to put you one nil up potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go penalty because yeah, the red yeah. card might be annoying, but you're already winning three nil, so you mm. can. I'd I'd take that. Even though it might penalise you in the next couple of day games, but you know, penalty opportunities 
few things few things hit harder than when you don't get a penalty that you feel you deserve. As a slight segue on that, I'm talking about getting sent off and losing players next game. Back to Neves. He's making this, he's, string, he's stringing out this 10th booking, isn't he? This 9th He is, he's doing well, isn't he? He's doing well. Like, is there a cut-off point? Yeah, I think it's uh, game 32 or something like that. It's got to be in April. It's not far, is that in April? Isn't it? Is that in April? Yeah, oh, mate. Mm. He's walked. He's walked a tightrope there. If if he completes that, fair play to him. Because what we're on um, twenty nine, aren't we? So three more games. Mm. Oh, we'll take that. Don't let him tackle. Just don't no, let him no, tackle. Not yeah. allowed to tackle. On the that's, last what, one. that's why Donk was playing. And not allowed to speak to the referee as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Dino. What is an acceptable time to leave work and start pre-match drinks on Friday before the Leeds game? I think it's eight o'clock kickoff. Is it? Yeah. Um, I mean, when we say leave work, it, it's it's a loose term if you're working from home these days, isn't it? Um, I mean, you could you could potentially start on the cans uh, during your, the uh, the afternoon session, uh, sat at your laptop, couldn't you? Have something pressed on the uh, on the keypad so you can see that it's still busy. Booking booking a couple of meetings yeah. as you do. Um, you know, so uh, you, just take your personal it. development error early, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Passionate. We're all we're all entitled to that. We're all entitled to that. Your well-being. I error. mean, what, what, how long's a piece of string, Dean? You could honestly drag this out until Friday morning if you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon. Um, I reckon three o'clock's the the earliest you can potentially get away with it, because As in logging off like total or yeah. Mm. So it depends day. if you have. Um, this, this, we're obviously assuming this is an office job. If you want, if you're uh, yeah in, in the factory manual labour job on Friday, they get out at midday. Don't well, they? exactly. They do. That's what they I'm do. thinking. Mm-hmm. So, but if you're like if you're a nine to five, if you're nine if you're a nine to fiver, two hours you can probably make that up over the course of a week. If you start thinking now, half an hour a day, extra Monday to Thursday, then you can in theory just cover yourself for an extra couple of hours. Jobs are good and it's true. If you are on site, get to the game. Hive is hard hat, everything. Just just stay yeah. out. Stay yeah. out. Keep going. Thing. Keep going. <laughs> Straight from work on the Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just been hanging outside Molly for twenty four hours. <laughs> okay. At Davy Hop, are there any other teams other than Frank Lampard's Everton and Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa where you have to say the manager's name before you say the team name? I think this is this has been like a football cliches thing previously, hasn't it? I think. Mm. Oh, um, one of what the biggest brings to mind, doesn't it? Wayne Rooney's Derby. Yeah. Well, Derby have always had it now. So I think Frank Lampard's Derby was the oh, original. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they were the, that was the original. Um, but I don't know. Pat, um, yeah. Maybe Paolo Canio Swindon. It needs to have like a big. It needs to be a big name with a small club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neil Warnock, Sheffield United. Me. <laughs> yeah. Colin Colin Wanker's Sheffield United. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, see, Colin. See, this question got me thinking: is what name would have to be matched to Wolves? Because does it need? Because it doesn't necessarily need to like be like a club link, does it? But well, it's, it's just Bruno Larges Barmy Army, isn't it? Yeah, just Brett. Yeah. I think Mick's probably the only one we could really do that with. Mick McCarthy's Wolves. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the only one I, I could thought, think of. Yeah. 
he did, did we ever have it with Glenn Hoddle? Glenn Hoddle's walls because I'm thinking he came with a bit of high profile. Paint. He did. He did have a reputation, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, it's 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 got to be that that big managerial personality with a slightly smaller club. Feel I reckon. To it. I reckon Glenn Hoddle's a good shout for Wolves. I don't know. I yeah. I'm trying to think of any of us well, in the league. Were we? No, oh, no, he had, he had Spurs think, and Southampton in between, to, didn't he? I was yeah. trying to think of like um, returning players who've took up, who's like been in charge of a club briefly. And all, all I could draw on them was Alan Shearer's Newcastle when like he was in charge briefly. <laughs> what a spelling time that was. I know, yeah, that was dead. That was it was honestly, it, made, it makes you feel so good that we've never appointed Steve Ball as our manager. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I remember a time there when, like, that was people really, really wanted that. Every He's got so time. close to it. Yeah. yeah, and he did. He did really well at Stafford Rangers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's all, the thing is, he's always in the bookies' odds. If you if you have a yeah. look, his, his name's always always thirty three to one. He's, he's like the, <laughs> it's like the classic. We've got to put it in there because we'll make some money. But yeah, our game was Stafford Rangers loss. I think on that one, wasn't it? Yeah, very good. Uh, Studios 10 who's your first choice centre-backs obviously Cody but I think Sace hasn't been great since AFCON and his distribution first half was awful I mean I, I wonder what this is with Sace because I've always kind of championed his passing uh, from the back but I think it's because he plays riskier passes that he sometimes looks like he's he's maybe not um, as sound with his distribution everybody else seems to play quite safely but at the moment I mean, Bolly was excellent against yeah. um, it's Watford, and Bruno's talked about against Palace, you know, winning our duels. He's our most dominant centre half, bottom line. So, I'd I'd be interested to see a back three of Kilman, Cody, Bolly. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like that feels like it's got a lot in it. But again, Sace is still just about just to find his place. That feels um, like Co- Cody's got his two bodyguards like either side yeah, of him, like yeah. protecting him. I mean, we, we, when we were talking about um, Kenny um, and sort of make you know putting in silly a couple of silly challenges, you can't do big tackles anymore. I just think Willie Bolly would have a thing to say about that because in his first like start in ages, mm. he put in an absolute reducer through one of the Watford players, yeah, clean as anything. But you heard it, yeah, it was like a proper on back baby. Good to see. It's good to see because I mean, towards the back end of last season, he, he did drop off and he, he wasn't playing well. But yeah, still an absolute class act and worth reminding ourselves of how good he's been for us. It, it, Colossus. Mm. I think yeah, when so- it's, especially like if he was to come into the team as well, we we retain. He's someone who retains the aerial threat at, at corners. And in, and obviously in our own box, yeah. And he's still mm. when, when he's on it, as long as he can, he, he, the body of what we remember, uh, he's still good on, still been good on the ball, still actually quite a good distributor of, of of the ball as well. It's just a shame that obviously over the last twelve months or so, he's he's been a bit unreliable when it comes to injuries. Which up until that point, he was never present, wasn't he? But. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it got, got me thinking. Now. That's a good. That's a good back three: Kilman, Cody, and, and Bolly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing that for a few games. See how we see how we get on with those three. Absolutely. 
Any more for any more, Rich? No, nah, it covers us. That covers us very, very good. Well, thank you very much for joining us, ladies and gents. Um, we will, of course, be back with you on Wednesday for a preview show of the Leeds fixture coming up on Friday night. And um, thereafter, obviously, make sure you tune in for the review of that game as well. Uh, we've got some more content coming out uh, on YouTube for GTA as well this week. And make sure you follow us on all of the social channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Wolves Fancast. Everything is there for you to enjoy and interact with us. And uh, if you really do want to give me pelters for my tweet, I really don't mind. Um, but yeah, after all of that and after that wonderful, wonderful win, that's all from me, Gully, and the boys, Jafo, Rich and Adam. And uh, we'll speak to you soon.